Welcome to Trending Health, where we provide you with valuable insights and perspectives on the evolving healthcare industry. Brought to you by Vynamic, Trending Health explores industry topics that are real, relevant, and worth discussing. I'm your host, Mindy McGrath. In today's episode, we're going to discuss a few recent newsworthy items we think healthcare leaders should be considering. I'm here with Vynamic's Ryan Hummel to talk about what's trending now. So Ryan, I think we're going to be focusing on one headline this episode, but I do have to ask, what have you been following lately? Well, I think you guessed it. In the U.S., the midterm elections were held in the past week, and we're still not sure what's going to happen. And for those of you that have been under a rock, you know, the current breakdown of Congress is really kind of split across the board. Senate is split 50-50, and Vice President Kamala Harris holds the tie-breaking vote. And within Senate, we have a few Democrats that have typically held off on any kind of progressive voting tendencies in the last several years. And in the House, we have a very slim majority with Democrats. But the results are in kind of, you know, as the recording of this podcast happens, there's still some unknowns, right? From a Senate perspective, there's a runoff in Georgia pending. Who knows? The Senate may end up exactly where we left it a week ago at 50-50. From a House perspective, I think there was some prognosticators that thought there would be a large shift as history will tell us that during midterm elections, there's typically a shift against the party of the president. It didn't necessarily happen. We still have 20 to 30 House battles to be counted. It looks like it's going to be another stalemate with a potential slim majority with the Republicans. And, you know, when you look at the governorships across the country, incumbents did very well. People may look at that as a surprise, but those are just the facts. As you can see, results from the midterms do affect healthcare. Mindy. So I'm sure we probably should talk a little bit about that as well. Healthcare topics were front and center in the midterm election cycle. And there were many important issues, I think, that were raised up right through this election cycle where voters could actually cast their decisions on, on what their preferences were. I think when you look to your point, Ryan, about how while we don't know the final tally on the Senate and the House, I think what we do know is that regardless of the congressional makeup, right, there will be some bipartisan issues around things like behavioral health and telehealth and transparency that probably remain bipartisan, right? Something that, that Congress will be maybe able to act on. When I think about the other issues that, that rose up during this election cycle, I mean, abortion clearly was a big issue with the Supreme Court's decision to strike down Roe v. Wade earlier this year, the legality of that coming into play clearly presented itself as we started to see this on state level voter issues. So I think there's some far reaching implications when we start to see how some of these votes played out at a state level around abortion. And I think the big question is in states where voters turned out and maybe defied some of the state's current legislation on abortion and represented that they did feel like there were rights for abortion, how are those state governments actually going to, to pull those things through? I think that that was one that was really interesting to see how voters turned out and how they voted on abortion rights at a state level. Some other things that I think were were interesting to note around just what we saw in this election were states like California, Michigan, and, and Vermont were all angling right, to make abortion a constitutional right and shielding the states from future sort of anti-abortion legislation. 
voters in four states moved to affirm abortion rights. You know, I think most surprisingly out of all of that may have been Kentucky that rejected a proposal to have further restricted abortion rights. And then Michigan voters also enshrining abortion rights in the state's constitution. So clearly that was, a, I think, a really big topic that we talked about this in an earlier podcast when we talked about the results of the Supreme Court ruling and how now when you no longer have a national framework for abortion and reproductive rights, that the states will play a much greater role in in trying to determine at what level of, of rights actually exist. And I think that's what we are seeing happen and play itself out clearly as part of this midterm. Yeah, absolutely. You, you mentioned some surprises in reference to Kentucky and on the ballot with abortion rights and female reproductive rights. Perhaps another surprise was in the state of South Dakota, where South Dakotans voted to expand Medicaid under the Affordable Care Act on Tuesday. And it won quite or pretty handily, 56% of the vote. And they've been voting on that a lot in South Dakota, but this enshrines it a little bit. There are something like 10 to 15,000 folks that don't have health care, but this will allow 40,000 people to gain access to of Medicaid when it takes into effect in July of 2023. And I mentioned this is not kind of like Groundhog Day in South Dakota. I think six times before this election day, voters in the state had weighed in directly. And they're undefeated. Six times the ballot measure has passed. So this undefeated streak has now reached seven wins at this passage. And I say surprising for folks outside of South Dakota who think of it as a very conservative state. And this is kind of a progressive movement with Medicaid. But it turns out it's really not. It's about giving people access and people understanding that Medicaid is a is a state opportunity for folks to get health care. And this summer, we talked a lot about the Inflation Reduction Act. And if the House is taken over by Republicans, you know, we can predict that that will be challenged and um, it will unlikely be repealed because Joe Biden is still in office. There are going to be there are going to be aspects of this that are going to be picked apart as a reminder of the Inflation Reduction Act, pretty significant piece of legislation that attempts to combat the effects of inflation across a lot of industries. But specifically, the healthcare industry really does affect drug coverage and cost under Medicare Part D and prescription drug costs and capping those prices for affordable health insurance. So that was a big monumental act that the Democrats helped pass. So we'll, we'll just have to wait and see what happens post-November of 2023 on what happens with that act. You know, Ryan, I think one of the things that stood out to me as you were talking about South Dakota, if we think about the election cycles that we've seen over the course of the last decade since the implementation and enactment of the Affordable Care Act, Medicaid expansion has time and time again been propelled right through state voters when it comes to states that we, we maybe had anticipated earlier not believing that they would want to expand their Medicaid programs, and yet these midterm elections and election cycles have proven to be really, really valuable, I think, for residents in states to really cast their votes in ways that suggest that Medicaid expansion is actually much more popular than originally anticipated when the ACA was passed. The other thing, it fascinates me in some ways when we talk about the Inflation Reduction Act because we know it was passed in, in pretty strict party lines in terms of who was for it and who wasn't and the deciding vote right came down to the Senate Democrats having a majority with the vice president acting as the tiebreaker in that. I, I do agree with you. I think that there is going to be some challenges in terms of what this new congressional makeup 
does in looking at things like the Inflation Reduction Act and whether they challenge certain parts of it or you know, try to make some adjustments to it even before it really goes into play. The other thing I think is, is interesting to me is that when you think about what was originally in that bill and how much of it was left on the cutting room floor, are there opportunities actually in a new congressional makeup to find other more partisan elements to address. And I mentioned earlier in this episode, we were talking about things like telehealth, right? And transparency and how those seem to be common areas of interest for both Democrats and Republicans. You know, part of the Inflation Reduction Act also focuses on Medicare negotiations with pharmaceutical manufacturers on drug prices in Part D and Part B. Drug pricing has been a common bond for, for both Democrats and Republicans alike. I think the conversation was how to go about addressing it has always been where the difference is. So while there is still a little bit of uncertainty in how these parties kind of shape Congress, there does still, I, I'm going to be a little bit hopeful and maybe more pragmatic to think that there are some opportunities here to still find some elements on the healthcare agenda that can be addressed and passed in a way that is is beneficial, right, to addressing some of those big, big concerns that have resided in the healthcare industry for some time. I think you're right. I think, you know, timing is everything in any industry, but especially in government, it was a it was an election year, a hotly contested midterm sect of time. And so a lot of things were getting pushed through this summer as folks were campaigning to be reelected. And so that may or may not change the votes. So I think you're you're right when it comes to like folks voting a certain way, seeing how the elections play out, and then maybe, you know, recognizing that maybe that's what the people wanted as a representative of the people. So I agree that we shouldn't take what we think conventional wisdom tells us on overturning things or repealing things as fact until we actually see it go down. So I think it's a really good point. We talk about this a lot. I think that it's important to stay abreast of this information as well, because amongst the headlines, what gets buried kind of is this idea of COVID and it still exists. And there continues to be approximately 350 people dying per day in the United States from COVID-19 on top of a very large influx of children with RSV in the US. So hospitals are getting filled already. It's only mid-November and funds are still being earmarked to support surveillance and treatment. It should be noted, however, that deaths from COVID are down significantly. I just saw World Health Organization say it's down 90% globally year over year. So a lot of the vaccinations are taking hold and we're seeing less deaths, but there's not no deaths. And we're seeing a consistent plateau of about 350 every, every day in the United States. And you know, another potential prediction is that Republicans may look at healthcare affordability and coverage issues because we've seen small business being hit hard by the pandemic and inflation. It's a very weird paradoxical economy that we're in where unemployment is very low, inflation is very high, the pandemic is hitting small businesses, there's a lot of layoffs in healthcare technology and in technology in general. So this could be a benefit for expanding healthcare access to those that are not covered by commercial plans. So there's so much to stay on top of in this world, especially with the election. We've talked a little bit more about the federal government and what's going on at a congressional level. Let's talk a little bit about states, because I think they often get overlooked when we talk about election results and what a critical role that states play in some major, major pieces of legislation that have been in place for a while. 
You mentioned Medicaid expansion, how that ties to the Affordable Care Act. We've talked a little bit about the agenda of President Biden to really try to expand access, right, and protections for individuals. One of the things that I think about that we often don't recognize is what happens when things change at a state level and how that has a determining factor on parts of the Affordable Care Act, such as insurance marketplaces. And where are the efforts, right, to ensure that those marketplaces that have now been in place for, for many, many years now remain viable? And how states, their governors and state legislations make some pretty critical determinations on what and how that shows up. And elections can be pretty disruptive when we talk about stabilizing some of those elements of the ACA. If you look across the nation, you know, whether it's Kansas reelecting its Democratic governor, Pennsylvania staying Democratic, I don't think we're going to see much changes in, in so far as like capping things because either the incumbent governor has won, there were not actually any many governors that would be unseated. And some of the state legislators have actually flipped from Republican to Democrat. So it's interesting. We'll have to keep our eye on it, but I don't know if that's going to be as big of a shift as we think. Right. And I think governors, we talk about the role that they play, and, and it's been pretty set, right, in terms of governorships in different states. And I think states that have gone down the path of either they're having their own marketplaces and or deciding to expand Medicaid have already gone in that direction. To pull that back would be, I think, an extremely difficult thing to do. Not that it, it's not possible, but I do think that just a nod to, to state results, right, and how states play such an important role in healthcare. And I think we oftentimes don't maybe give that the recognition that it deserves when we're talking about election outcomes. Agree. I think as we sum this all up and start to think about what lies ahead, healthcare and the healthcare agenda still remain, I think, a top priority for many. The perspective on what to do about some of these issues, I think, still looms pretty large. And I would like to think that the conversation will be constructive on how to address some of these outstanding issues that are out there right now around healthcare. And some of the things that come top of mind to me are, how do we continue to prepare our public health institutions to stay ready for things like the pandemic and RSV? And how do we address the ever concerning bouts of mental health that is really becoming a crisis. And one of the things you and I have also talked about is the workforce shortage. And I'm not suggesting that government legislation take control of all of this, but these are big, big issues. And it, it just feels to me that while the healthcare agenda may feel like it stagnates in this, this back part of the Biden presidency, these issues don't go away. And as always, Ryan, we know that the only constant in the healthcare industry is change. So I look forward to having this conversation with you next month when we talk about headline news. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Trending Health. For links to resources discussed in this episode, subscribe to the Trending Health podcast and explore if Dynamic can help your company with ongoing healthcare industry change. Please visit trendinghealth.com.